0: I'm Dr. Laura Greenfield, and I am passionate about all things teaching, facilitating, social change-making, and helping you to create equitable, engaging, and transformative classroom experiences. I left a distinguished career as a professor of communication and education to launch an online business where I help you learn best practices in classroom facilitation, practices it has taken me decades of study and experience to cultivate. I started the Let's Talk Facilitation podcast to offer you straightforward and practical solutions to everyday challenges in the college classroom, to turn your stress and overwhelm into confidence and excitement. If you are a current or aspiring college educator who's looking to build a teaching career that you love and that changes students' lives, you've come to the right place. Welcome. kick off this episode with a quick shout out to my amazing listeners who have shown up every week to hear my teaching advice or who have popped in here and there to find an answer to a burning question. After just a few months of publishing this podcast, I am thrilled to have reached listeners from around the world, including Japan, Singapore, Brazil, Germany, New Zealand, Australia, Finland, Slovakia, Italy, Canada, the UK, and here in the US, and more. Your interest and support means the world to me, so thank you. I would love to hear from you directly, so if you're finding this podcast helpful, or if you have specific questions or challenges you'd like to hear me talk about in future episodes, please send me an email at info@laragreenfield.com. I can't wait to connect with you. Okay, on to today's topic. Today, I'm talking about one of the not-so-fun parts of teaching, the workload. Many college educators are being tasked with unsustainable amounts of work for inadequate compensation, resulting in burnout and a mass exodus of faculty leaving academia across the U.S. There's a larger conversation to be had about labor conditions in the neoliberal academy. We need to be organizing, raising our voices, and demanding change before all of higher ed implodes. I suspect there's a revolution on the horizon, and I am here for it. But while we're wielding our collective political power for more humane working conditions— we still need to figure out how to navigate the very real and pressing immediate responsibilities of our individual jobs in order to get a paycheck to put food on the table. So today, I'm going to share with you my favorite strategy for saving tons of time on class preparation. Not only does this strategy save you time, but it can also make the discussions you lead even better as well. But before I get into this time-saving strategy, I want to offer a few words of wisdom about taking care of yourself as best you can when your labor conditions are dehumanizing and you haven't yet found a feasible opportunity to leave. For my younger listeners or those who are newer to college teaching jobs, I want you to pay especially close attention. First, get yourself an advocate. This is a mentor or a sponsor who is higher up on the academic food chain than you are and will have your back as you navigate institutional politics. Second, learn to say no. Academia is not the environment where you should be doing things for free out of the goodness of your heart. You chose a career in teaching because you have a good heart. But you will get exploited the minute you take on work outside your job description and it will become very hard to dial it back in later. Number three, remember you may love your job, but your job does not love you back. Unfortunately, higher ed is a business. This is true whether you work for a city college, state university, a nonprofit institution, or anything else. All of higher ed, like every industry in the US, runs within a larger capitalist system. And while we may love our colleagues and be part of beautiful communities on our campuses, the institution's loyalty is to its budget, not to your well being. Number four. If you're going to work from home, set clear work times and off-duty times so that your home life doesn't get completely taken over by your job. Protect those boundaries as if your life depends on it, because it does. Okay. So let's assume you're doing all of these things. You are engaging in activism to transform higher ed. You're protecting yourself as best as you can to not be exploited voluntarily. What else can you do strategically in your day-to-day teaching practice to help save time? The strategy I'm going to share with you is meant to save you time specifically when you are preparing to lead class discussions. I know when I'm preparing for classes, Especially if it's a class that I really love or it's a class I haven't taught before, I can spend a lot of time getting ready for each class meeting. There are even times when the amount of time I spend preparing for a class actually takes longer than the class meeting itself. This can put so much added stress on a week already filled with teaching and grading and department meetings and faculty meetings and committee meetings and research and writing. Not to mention needing to protect time for my hobbies and family and friends and downtime to rest. So... I have a strategy that works really well for me that I'm going to share with you. I'm going to tell you what the strategy is. I'm going to talk about why it works. And then I'm going to show you how exactly to implement the strategy. I'm also going to share a free resource that you can use if the strategy speaks to you and you want to dive into it a little further. It's a free PDF that you can download at lauragreenfield.com forward slash agenda. So the strategy is called batching. What batching means is that rather than preparing one by one for each class meeting as it comes up, you prepare for multiple classes in a single prep session. That way, the work you do in preparing carries through a number of class meetings. This is similar to how you might strategize completing other things on your to-do list. If you go through and try to complete everything on your to-do list at random, it's not always the most efficient process. But if you group each item by category, for example answering all of your emails in one sitting, and then maybe making all of your phone calls in another sitting, or maybe running all your errands at once rather than answering an email then running an errand and then making a phone call and then doing this and doing that. Instead you can be more efficient when you put like things together. This same idea is true here with preparing for class. The activity of preparing for a class is similar class by class even if the content and what you're preparing to do during each class is different. So why does batching work? Preparing for multiple classes in batches is more efficient than taking on each one as it comes because it takes a lot of creative energy to prepare for a class. Batching allows you to keep that creative flow going rather than having to start and stop and start and stop multiple times a week and numerous times across a term, getting yourself back into the zone to prepare for a particular class. It saves you a lot of time over the course of the semester. An added bonus of batching is that because you're in a similar headspace as you're preparing a number of your classes, you end up providing a more cohesive experience for your students because you're drawing on those same sort of creative thoughts and ideas and approaches in a number of classes that you're preparing. It helps the semester not feel quite as disjointed as it might be if you're planning ad hoc one by one as each class comes up. Now let me explain how exactly you do batching. It's not just about trying to get a lot done all at once. There is a method to batching effectively. The first thing that I would do would be to pick your batching time period, meaning how many classes do you want to prepare for? You could batch according to time periods such as a week of classes at a time or a month's worth of classes at a time or even the whole semester at a time. Or you might break it down based on course content units, so depending on the particular course you're teaching, if there are, for example, three key themes, you would plan each unit or theme in a batch. So you decide what makes sense to you, a a time period or a unit. The next thing that's really important is to create a template for yourself that you are working from when you are preparing multiple course meetings at a time. There's a couple of ways you might think of a template. If you're somebody who really likes an organized agenda when you go into a class, you might create a template of a skeleton agenda that you work from. This approach works well if you like to have a predictable structure to your class meetings. Maybe you always start with some kind of review from last week's class, or some sort of check-in or warm-up. Maybe you always kick off a discussion with a free writing activity first, or maybe you always end the class with some kind of ritual. Whatever your class structure looks like, if you like working from an agenda, then you come up with a template that covers the basic building blocks of how you like to run your class. If this particular approach resonates with you and you'd like a little more help thinking through what exactly to put on an agenda template, I want you to check out episode six of Let's Talk Facilitation, which is titled Facilitating Conversations with Purpose. In this podcast episode, I walk you through several of the key components of planning a class discussion. So write down episode number six really quickly and listen to it when you're done with this one. Now, if you're somebody who doesn't really like the strict structure of an agenda, you really like each class to be a little different, you could instead think about creating a template that accounts for each of the key decisions that you need to make when you prepare for class. So that might be decisions about what is the goal or intended learning outcome of this class meeting. In other words, what do you want students to get out of class? That's a decision you're going to want to make regardless of how you go about conducting the class. You might also make decisions about what the method will be that you're going to use to teach the material that day. So will you be lecturing? Will you lead a discussion? Will there be some kind of hands-on activity students are going to do? Are you going on a field trip somewhere? So you identify what those key decisions will be, and then you write a checklist to remind yourself to answer those questions in order to prepare for each class. Now, when you have your template or your checklist, What you do then is you sit down, you've got your template, you've got the amount of time or the number of classes that you've decided to batch together. And in one big sitting, you go through your template and you fill it out for each class. And what you'll find is that often you get on a roll. That momentum builds from doing this activity and you start to get excited and you start to say to yourself, wow, look how much time I'm saving. I've already prepared for an entire week or for two weeks. And you can ride that momentum to keep going and to prepare a number of additional classes. If this idea of batching is exciting to you and you're thinking of giving it a try, I've got another suggestion for you to really make the most of this approach. The suggestion isn't going to work for everybody, particularly if your schedule doesn't allow it. But if you can swing it and you're like, Laura, let's go big or go home, then this is what I want you to do. When you're in the process of creating your syllabus for a course, over the summer or during winter break between semesters, do the batching of class prep alongside your syllabus preparation. In other words, batch the entire semester in one fell swoop. Specifically, the process of mapping out the course readings or the main assignments for the course and building out the schedule You're making decisions about questions that coincide exactly with the questions you'll ask yourself when making decisions about each class meeting agenda. For example, let's say you are preparing your syllabus and you decide that on the first Monday of the semester, students are going to be assigned three particular articles to read. And so you write those into the schedule on the draft of your syllabus. While that assignment and the reason for it is fresh in your head, you can then ask yourself, why am I asking students to read these articles? What is it that I want them to get out of it? What is the goal? And while that answer is clear in your head, go to your template for the class meeting that day and add that decision to that template too. So for this class meeting, here is what I want students to achieve on this day. Here's the outcome I want for students in class that day. Depending then on what comes next in your template, whether it's an agenda or a checklist of decisions, you go through the template or checklist quickly and fill it out. When I'm leading a discussion-heavy course, my process usually looks like this. When I've identified the outcome of a class, I then brainstorm a quick list of key questions that will be meaningful discussion starters to lead the group to that outcome. In a class that's typically maybe an hour and 15 minutes or so, even having just three really significant, juicy questions for students to dive into can be enough to really provide a foundation to go into that class prepared. And so as you're selecting those readings for your syllabus, while that's all fresh in your head, including the reasons why you've picked those readings and what it is that those readings are doing, what function they're serving in your course, you can jot down in question form, what are those key takeaways? Or what are those key unknowns that you want students to dive into so that they're achieving the goal that you've set? At the very minimum, even if you've just identified the goal and the discussion questions, you are doing those consistently, batching those along the way. When the semester starts and you have all those questions already prepared, it provides so much relief. When things start getting busy, you're teaching multiple classes, meeting starts happening, you've got students in office hours, you've got to start grading, there's a lot on your plate. Class prep is something that's taken care of. All you have to do is finesse the details now that the semester is underway and you're actually experiencing the class in real time. When I have used this strategy, it is remarkable how the semester almost runs on autopilot. I find that the majority of my work during the semester towards the class is spent in the class time, and then responding to students' work, providing feedback, evaluating, and so on, but the class preparation is really minimal. I often just go back, review my notes, maybe tweak a couple things based on how things are unfolding, but for the most part, it takes a huge burden off my shoulders throughout the semester. At times when I haven't batched my class prep, I find myself rushing around a lot more and feeling that last minute stress. It's a lot more late night scrambling to remember, why did I have them read this? What do I want them to do? Having to go back and skim over the readings again to get it fresh in my head and all of that. It's just so much work. And then there are times when I have pulled up my notes thinking that I had batched an entire semester only to discover I had only actually batched part of the way through the semester. And so there I am, the day before class or the morning of class, pulling up my notes to see what I prepared, only to discover an empty template. Ugh, what a disappointment that is. So when you can, I encourage you to really dedicate the time in advance. If you can somehow wrangle it when you're doing your syllabus prep over a break, it saves you so much work throughout the semester. I hope this strategy has given you some ideas for what you might try out to save yourself time in the upcoming term. If you are interested in this approach, I've created a template of a class agenda that's broken down by suggested units of time. But more importantly, it's broken down by different decisions that you might make in a class, such as decisions about how to introduce the topic, what kind of activities you're choosing, what the goal is, how many discussion questions you might pose, and so on. All of that good stuff is already figured out for you in question form. And you basically just have to go through it and plug in your answers to those. And voila, you've got a template for leading your class. So visit lauragreenfield.com forward slash agenda to download your free copy of the PDF titled Sample Class Facilitation Agenda Template. Thank you so much for listening today. And until next time, happy batching and happy teaching.